Welcome to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. We are a local church in East London, here to be a beacon of hope for Hoxton. And our mission is to worship God, make disciples, share Jesus, and transform Hoxton. Hewitt here, that's like the apprentice vicar. So I got married about three and a half years ago, and uh, we you know, sat down when we were planning it, and we've got quite big families, both of us, and we had a big venue, so we were able to invite lots of people. So we're like, okay, we've got 150 people we're going to invite. And then a few months down the line, Ian and I look back and we're like, hang on now, our invite list is now 180 people, and this is fine. But how have we got from 150 people to 180 people? Something had changed and the decision had been made, but we weren't entirely sure by who or when. It wasn't a big deal because we could invite more people, but we still weren't quite sure how we'd moved from 150 to 180. Well, have you ever been in a situation where you're with a group of friends and you think you're going for a quiet drink at a pub somewhere, maybe a nice meal at a restaurant, and you end up at a drum and bass club? And you're not quite sure how that happened either. Or perhaps you've been at work and there's been a decision that's been made and you hate it, you think it's wrong, but you don't know how to challenge it. Or perhaps, like the Bible passage, there's a situation you've been in or you know about where one person is making all the decisions and it's just bottlenecked. And you've got to wait for ages for anything to get done because one person is trying to make all of the decisions. Decision-making and accountability and governance, that's what we're looking at today. So we're continuing our We Are Anglican series. We've looked at the creeds, we've looked at the Anglican communion, we've looked at liturgy, baptism, confirmation, worship, and most of those, not quite all, but most of those uh, you can hear on the podcast if you've missed them. And today we are looking at We Are Accountable which I bet you hear that title and go, I can't wait. That sounds like the most exciting sermon ever. Look at the governance of the Church of England. (laughs) But it is important, even if it doesn't sound like the most thrilling topic. And it's important because if you're a member of the church here, if you're a member of any Anglican church, it affects you. It's a definition of governance, which probably won't do much to instill hope in you, but it's establishment of policies and continuous monitoring of their proper implementation by the members of the governing body of an organisation. Includes the mechanism required to balance the powers of the members with the associated accountability and their primary duty of enhancing the prosperity and viability of the organisation. Now I say that not because it is a particularly exciting definition, but because of that final line. The primary duty of enhancing the prosperity and viability of the organisation. Good governance is healthy for good organisations. So we're going to look at some shapes that uh, the structure of the Church of England can be seen as. We'll think a bit about why should I care and how do we get involved in decision making here at St John. Some really practical stuff to end, but let's pray to start with. Father, pray that as we look at this topic of governance, you would speak to us. That even in the mundane and the ordinary, we would see your hand at work. Do you help us to become better disciples through understanding our structures better? Amen. So, what is your favourite shape? You may not believe me, 
and you may not be convinced even after I finish the talk, but for me, all of those relate in some way to the structure of the Church of England, and we'll be going through them, so they'll make a bit more sense. So what's your favourite shape? I asked uh, my fellow curates on a Facebook group, um, have you got a diagram of the structure of the Church of England? I'm doing this talk, it would be really helpful to have a diagram. I have really helpful comments back, and the next picture will illustrate some of the things that people suggested the Church of England is like. A bowl of spaghetti, chaos theory, and a tangled web. Sometimes it can seem and it can feel like it is random, that there's no structure, that it's complete chaos. And especially when you hear all of the terms and the next slide. So these are just some of the terms. Just a tiny, tiny number of the like, words and phrases that we use uh, when we're talking about the Church of England. And when you hear all these terms, you come across them, or you're looking at the news and you're trying to work out what's going on, it can seem random. And it can seem confusing. It can seem very complicated. And in many ways, that's actually true. It is complicated. The Church of England is very old, and it is very big. And as you may know, if you work in places like the NHS or big corporations, the bigger something gets, generally speaking, the more complicated its structures are. And the older something is, often it is more complicated as well because we've got time to add in extra layers of things. So in some ways it is complicated, but hopefully as we go through this morning, we will unpick some of them and see that it's not as random as it may look so the next slide, the triangle, the linear, this is probably it, the most basic structure uh, of the Church of England, and possibly the one that you're at least familiar with parts of it. So at the bottom we've got the curate, be me, uh, vicar, Graham, area dean, I didn't have a, couldn't find a picture of our area dean at the moment, but it's a lady called Rosamere Brown, our archdeacon, that's Liz, our area bishop, that's Bishop Joanne, who was with us a couple of weeks ago, she's the Bishop of Stepney, then the diocesan bishop, there's Bishop Sarah, she's Bishop of London, and then our Archbishop, uh, Archbishop Welby. So that's, and that's the structure as it relates to St. John's as well. But what do all these terms mean? You know, that's all very well, telling me there's an archdeacon, but what on earth is an archdeacon? They're linked to geographical areas. So the whole country is divided up into little units called parishes. We're in the parish of St. John's, Hoxton. And so you've got, oh, if we go back to the one before. So we've got um, you have little parishes you put, and a vicar and curate would be in charge of a parish. If you put a number of parishes together, you get a deanery. We're in Hackney Deanery, so the area dean looks after them. You put a number of deaneries together, you get an archdeaconry, and an archdeacon is in charge of that. You put a number of archdeaconries together. We're in uh, the Stepney Archdeaconry, uh, and um, Bishop Duran is sort of area bishop of... Um, Stepney Archdeaconry as well and then you put a number of deaconry, archdeaconries together and you get a diocese and we're in the Diocese of London and you put dioceses together and you get a province we're in the province of Canterbury here. Archdeacons they're responsible for the buildings and for mission of the church and bishops give leadership and pastoral oversight particularly for the vicars but it's not quite that simple. If we go on to the next slide. We've got the loop. So on the, on the left-hand side, you've got essentially the diagram that I've just shown you, the nice linear thing with vicars and bishops and so on. And then on the other side, we've got a bunch of things called synods, which I'll come to in a moment. And the reason it's not that simple is back in the day, 
way that, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase, father knows best. And that can refer to the father as in the parent, but also often refers to the father as a vicar. And the vicar can make all the decisions and they're only accountable to the bishop. And so if you didn't like it, well, tough, you just had to lump it. And particularly because you didn't move around a lot, you were stuck in your parish. If you didn't like what the vicar was doing, well, you didn't have much choice. I think it's probably quite a good thing that we've moved away from those. We're much more accountable now. And one of the ways that we're accountable is through these things called synods. So synod is just like a governing body, a council. Just the church likes to use specific words that only the church uses, and synod is one of those. So at the very bottom level, we have the parish church council, the PCC. You'll hear a lot more about that as I talk. And that could be called the parish synod. No one ever calls it that but it could be called Parish Synod. Some people from the PCC might, will be on the Deanery Synod. They represent the church at the deanery level. Some people from the Deanery Synod go on to represent the deanery at the diocese, diocesan synod. And some people from the diocese will go to General Synod, which is made up of the House of Bishops, the House of Clergy, and House of Laity. And Laity is just people who aren't clergy. So no dog collars. And so when you hear about the General Synod on the news, twice a year it meets, and it often is reported on the news, you might go, oh, it's not, nothing to do with me. But actually it is, because they're discussing stuff that impacts us here. What they decide there impacts how we do things or what our focus is. And so these two kind of parallel lines, these two loops, mean that we end up with this episcopally-led and synodically-governed Church of England. It's really hard to say that sentence. Episcopally led. Episcopal means bishop, led by bishops, governed by synods. And they forms these counterbalances, these checks and balances. So we heard in that definition, part of good governance is about balancing the powers of members and holding each other accountable. No one part has power to change everything without other people having a say. And with synods, one of the really interesting things is stuff can come from, ideas can come from the parish level up and the bottom up as well as top down. So we can have ideas here, if we think they're good enough, if we think they apply, we could take them to deanery synod and they could then take them to diocesan synod and it could then become a national discussion. So we've had our linear sort of triangle, we've had our loop it's a little bit more complicated than that. This is my favourite diagram. Could also be seen as a Christmas tree with lots of layers getting wider and wider as you go out because of the more and more numbers. People shouldn't, I think, lead alone. They quite often don't. I think it's a very good thing for people not to lead alone or at least not to lead in isolation. We see on the Bible passage, Moses was trying to lead alone. He was trying to administer justice for the whole of the people of Israel on his own. And what that meant was he'd sit at the and his judgment chair at the beginning of the day and there would be a massive queue and all day he would be having to deal with disputes. Whether they were big, whether they were little, whether they were important, whether they were petty, Moses had to decide on them. And his father-in-law came along and he watched him and he went, you shouldn't be doing that. That's not a good way to handle this situation. Moses was a bottleneck. It meant justice wasn't being enacted properly. 
So he suggested an alternative structure. He said, Moses, you need a team of people. You delegate responsibility. Different people have different levels of responsibility. Some people will be over a thousand people. Other people will only have responsibility over a group of 10. But over that group of 10, they can decide the easy cases, the simple cases. If it's a bit complicated, they'll bring it to you. And so Moses only had to deal with the really important and very complicated stuff. And everything else was dealt with at a local level, a smaller level. In a similar way, at each level, you've got groups of people. You've got responsibility over differing numbers of groups. So bishops, they've got really big responsibility. A lot of bishops are responsible for an area the size of a county and might have 200 clergy that they're responsible for 300 churches and however many people in those churches but they don't do it alone they do it with they have their area bishops to help they have a bishop's council which helps give them advice make sure they're on the right track they have their staff and the diocesan staff and they have archdeacons to help and at a parish level got lots of different parishes there every parish will have well, most parishes have a vicar, not every parish, but most parishes will have a vicar. Every parish will have church wardens. A lot of them will have church councils, PCCs. Some will have curates. And if you're a church like St. John's, which is sort of represented in the red, we have church wardens, we have a church council, we have a curate, we have a staff team as well, and obviously we have the congregation too. We've got quite a lot of resources going for us. There's a lot of people supporting and helping and cooperating with Graham as he leads this church here. So that's another shape of the Christmas tree. It all fans out and responsibility is delegated down the different layers. But we haven't yet come to the most important shape. This one. This is the most important shape. It doesn't represent the structure, but it represents the purpose. The whole purpose of all these structures, when they're healthy is to help Christians remain focused on worshipping God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, becoming more like Christ each day as disciples, and to tell and show those who aren't Christians yet about the good news of God's love, mercy, and grace as seen in the cross. That's why this is the most important shape. It's the governing shape. It's why we do what we do. And we can see this in how they operate at different levels. So let's look at... Uh, the church council here. Excuse me. The PCC. It might look like a democracy, but it is not. It might look like a democracy because we vote people in. We elect people, and then at the meetings we have votes. But it isn't a democracy, because democracy is about the will of the people. Nor... Is it dictatorship or an autocracy, which is where the vicar or the loudest, most powerful person there makes all the decisions? But it is a theocracy. The will of God is the governing principle. God's say is ultimately the guide. That's the same at our level. It's the same with bishops looking at a diocesan level. God's will is our guide. And these groups, when they're working well, are listening to God and keeping God at the centre. So the structure should be, at their best, outward-focused. The PCC should be concerned about the whole parish, not just what happens inside the church. They're not just, not just concerned about what happens here, or about the members here. They are. But they're concerned about the whole parish. That is everyone. Whether or not they ever set foot 
in this building. Obviously, what happens in this church has an impact because it impacts out wider. But the PCC's job, we've got a definition of it, or part of the instructions that go with the PCC's job, is to cooperate with the minister in promoting the whole in the parish, the whole mission of the church, pastoral, evangelistic, social, and ecumenical. We've got that definition up on the slide. So the job is to cooperate with the minister in promoting the ho- in the parish the whole mission of the church, pastoral, evangelistic, social, and ecumenical. So therefore, the whole parish, they're about mission, about evangelism, about caring for society, about reaching out to other Christians, not just about what colour we might paint the walls here. And so that's an overview of the structures. But how does it work here at St John's? We talked a little bit about how some of the bits work. Graham, as our vicar, can decide some stuff but he can't decide everything. And often he needs PCC approval. And even if he doesn't need their approval, he will often seek it because we want to work together. Who here is on the PCC? If you could stand. Tanya? We have some, because we've got three services. We've got Josh is also on the PCC. Bridget. Great. Could we give these chaps a round of applause? Thank you very much. You can have a seat. I got them to stand and I did it at the 9.30 as well because the PCC, as you can hear, is really key. Also, interesting to note, um, they only existed since 1950. I think sometimes we think that because something exists in the church, it has always existed. But actually, church councils, this kind of decision-making and accountability process is, in Church of England terms, really modern. So you've been around 60 years. And they discuss, so the PCC discuss stuff raised by the synods. They can also send things to synods, say, we've got this good idea. We think it would be helpful for the wider area. They're there to ensure the church is well-led. Everyone is represented. They set the tone for the whole church. And they set priorities and key activities. So here the PCC meets five times a year. In between meetings, a little group called the Standing Committee can make decisions if we've got urgent stuff that we need to do. So the PCC is big picture stuff. Ideally, as I said, not so much of the detail. And one of the things we do here at St John's is they employ staff. And by employing staff, they delegate the day-to-day decision-making to those staff members. In other churches, they don't have staff team, but they'll have like key volunteers who head up teams. So the staff here aren't meant to decide what the scope of the work is. Not the big scope, anyway. But they obviously contribute to those discussions. The PCC do that. So the PCC decided to, uh, we needed to improve the worshipping life of the church, and we'll do that by hiring a worship pastor in John. John can decide day-to-day how that works, but not the big direction of the church. As I said, with other churches, if they've got fewer staff, they'll use volunteers. So those are the structures. But why should we care? It's all very well, but why should we care? Well, one of the reasons... Oh, and this is the list of names, sorry. These are, this is our current PCC. It changes every year, but these are the people who are on it at the moment. So why should I care? Ultimately, I think we should care because the church is the bride of Christ. But that's the whole church, that's not just St John's, but the church is the bride of Christ. And we should want that bride to be beautiful and healthy. 
and working well. And good governance and good accountability is one of the ways that we make sure everything is working well. We're part of something bigger, and sometimes that can be overwhelming. What it means because of these structures is that actually we can influence decision making at a national level, potentially. It keeps leaders accountable. Moses and Jethro being a good example. Jethro wasn't actually part of the leadership structure, but he still had a voice. He still spotted something that needed changing, and he could speak into that, speak to Moses, and say, hey, have you thought about this? This would be a better way. He kept Moses accountable. And it's about mission. If we become too inward-looking, it's unhealthy. We shrivel up and die. We have to look out. We have to look at mission. We have to look at reaching people who don't yet know how good our God is. And all of those structures have outward focus as part of what they do. So how do we get involved? There's a bunch of ways. Join the team. One of the ways we delegate decision-making to our teams as well, to a certain extent, in the same way that Moses had those people who were judges over a group of ten. We have smaller teams, local areas of ministry. So Stephen heads up the welcome team. And so the people who are on the welcome team are accountable to him. If they don't turn up, he might ask them some questions about, you know, you said you'd be here, but you didn't turn up. Why didn't you let me know? But equally, he is accountable to them. He has to make sure he gives them the right information, helps them to know what they need to do. But those team members might spot something that could change the way that it could work better. And they can then go to Stephen and say, well, have you thought about doing this? Why don't we do this? And they might not need PCC approval for that. might be, you know, that's a great idea. We're going to do it. We're just going to start and change that. That's a lot easier for those people who are part of that team to spot that stuff and to change it and to help change the whole culture of the church. So joining teams is one way to get involved in the decision-making process. Talk to the PCC member. It's one of the reasons I put their names up. Um, You can talk to myself and Graham, obviously, but you don't have to talk to us. You can also talk to the PCC if you've got ideas or concerns. They're there to represent you and bring stuff to the meetings. Perhaps you have an idea on how we provide better provision for our young people on a Sunday in the absence of a Sunday youth worker. In fact, if you have any ideas about how we provide better provision for our young people on a Sunday, please do talk to the PCC about it because we would love to hear your ideas. You might be able to help elect the PCC. They are an elected body. Uh, We elect them at the annual church meeting, which next year is on the 27th of April. So you can be involved in the decision-making. You know, it's like we've got a general election coming up, haven't we? If you don't vote, it's then quite hard for... Well, it's you then probably can't really moan if the people aren't representing you because you didn't exercise your right. If the PCC don't represent you, if you don't help vote them in, they're probably not going to represent you in the same way. It's the same principle. Perhaps you could even join the PCC come next April. So we've looked at a bit of the shape of the Church of England, how it works, how the structures work, thought a little bit about why we care, how we make decisions here at St. John's, and how we get involved. This is about accountability. It's about the health of the church. It's about being good stewards, being good disciples, helping 
the bride of Christ be the most beautiful, the most healthy thing that they can be in the way of honouring Christ through that. Amen. Thanks for listening to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. New talks will be uploaded every week from all of our services. And do check out our website, stjohnshoxton.org.uk, for more information. Oh,